starting a brand new series. It's called Dear Future Me. Now, I didn't know that Dear Future Me was a thing. Has anybody ever heard of Dear Future Me before? Did you ever have to, to write a Dear Future Me letter for school? There are literally websites devoted to Dear Future Me. I had no idea. I heard the words Dear Future Me, and I thought, this actually is a great idea for a message series at church. And then come to find out, apparently it's this global phenom that people write letters to themselves to be sent to themselves in the future to remind them of things that are important or things that they hope that they're doing when they get a little bit older. And yes, there are websites. If you type it in, you can, want, you can read public domain letters that people are getting sent, emailed to themselves literally this week that are 10 years old, 15 years old, 20 years old. It's, a, it's kind of a cool and, and frankly a little bit neat thing. But think about it for a second. What would you do You could send yourself a message in the future, Marty McFly. <laughs> what would you say to yourself? Think about it for one second. I'm going to tell you this to scripture. This isn't just some little nice feel better about yourself message. But think about it. If you could tell yourself something 10 years from now, what would you say? It's interesting because I posted this on my newsfeed on Facebook. And my, I mean, my comment thread was obliterated with comments. It was fun to read them. I copied and pasted some because they were just, they were gripping. They were powerful. And then I started reading some letters, and some of them were just flat out discouraging and depressing. So I'm going to read all of those today. <laughs> No, but there was something, uh, there was a common thread, there were about four to five things that I read and heard and saw that was a, that was a common denominator in most of the things that people wish they were doing or would say to themselves. And all of them came about, about four words. They wish they would trust more, they wish they would live more, they hope they would love more, and they hope they're fighting more. Fighting for the things that are right and true. Loving the people around them that need to be loved and to be loved well. Trusting God more and living the life that God has given them. Living it well. Here is a letter that was written 10 years ago that was delivered this week by email. This girl was 30. And it arrived in her email inbox last week as she turned 40. And this is what she had to say to herself. I'm writing to you sitting on the torn old maroon blanket in the rented house on the corner where Norby turns into 115th Street. In a few hours, your sisters are going to get up for their jobs at the groomers and the stable. Mom and dad live right around the corner. It's nice having family so close. It's a challenging season for all of us. We're trying not to worry about money. And you know that the Lord provides. You're going to be able to look back on this uncertain time and see how he has blessed you with time together as a family. I hope you are still close with your family, 
We're doing a lot of growing and working out boundaries together. <laughs> Gotta love that. Hug them for me if you live near them, and I hope you do. On to me. I'm newly unemployed after almost four years at that job, that editing job. I'm three-fourths done with my master's, and I hate everything. <laughs> I lack focus, passion, purpose, skill, experience, self-discipline, and self-confidence. I continue to believe that God has brought me here for a reason, however, even though I don't know what that reason is. It's hard living without vision. I hurt all the time, and I've lost so much spiritual ground. I hope and pray that he has brought you with him over the mountain to a high place and that you're able to look back over the past decade and see what he has done for you, that it wasn't for nothing, that you have a testimony and that you too are beloved. I hope you are happy and fulfilled and that you have learned to be kinder to yourself. I pray it. I picture you married, involved in great relationships with your husband, family, and friends. I hope you're working in a job that challenges you, but that you can do well. I hope you're wiser and more mature in your faith, the kind of person who loves well. I wish we could talk. Truly, I'd like to meet you. Not because I know you look back on me with anger or frustration, but with compassion. I look forward to you with hope. Happy birthday, future me. I hope you kick your 40s in the face. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It was long. Well written, though. I hope you were able to track with me because there were some things there that were common. They're common on, my, on the Facebook feed. They're common in other letters. Some of them were just ridiculous how much they wanted to, to trust more, to live more, to love more, to fight more, to fight for the things that matter, to love what matters, to live for what matters, and to trust in what matters. Dear future me, I hope you kick your 40s in the face. Best line ever. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to tie this in for you. Turn to Jeremiah 29, 11. Because for most people, obviously, if you're writing to your future self, you're talking about things that you're hoping happen or you're hoping that you do or you're hoping that maybe God does. And here's what God has to say to us about such things. It's just one passage. It's one of the most oft-recited uh, oft passages in all of Scripture. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and plans to give you a future. And for many of us, we treat hope like it's a genie in the bottle kind of a situation. Well, I hope it happens. And then we go about our business just, you know, as if there's a lamp that we rub and a genie might come out and grant us a couple wishes and wishes and, and hope kind of go hand in hand. But that's not how God intends for you and I to hope. And when you and I look at the future and we take self-stock of who we are and we compare it to Jesus Christ, 
Hopefully, we see things that need to change, and we can adjust those with faith, and we can adjust those with hope. And so what does hope actually mean? It means a desire of some good accompanied with at least a slight expectation of obtaining it. At least a slight expectation that you might become something different, that you might grow into something different. 75% of Americans say they believe in God. 75%. Three quarters of the country that we live in profess to believe in God, or maybe I should say a God, at the minimum. And when asked about the future, the vast majority of people, the 75% who want to, to, to participate in the Dear Future Me survey, so to speak, they almost all say they desire to trust God more. We all believe that he's real, or 75%. And yet we struggle with actually trusting this God. And what do you think it is that eats away so heavily at our trust in God? It's a big, nasty monstrous word we like to call worry. And when you read these Dear Future Me letters and when you examine your life and when you think about your life 10 years from now, some of you are filled with dread. Some of you are filled with anxiety. Some of you are filled with worry. Some of you are filled with that thinking about literally tomorrow. Think about all the things that we get worried about. Think about it for a second. confession if I'm going to struggle with something more often than not I can struggle with being anxious I have a lot of nervous energy if you've ever been around me if you ever talk to our staff and you talk about what it's like being in a staff meeting with me if you give me a whiteboard and markers you're in real trouble because I just I just like to write and do, it, doesn't even make, it doesn't even always make sense. I just have to get the nervous energy out, and it's just, you know, there's doodles here, and I, if somebody's not talking, I'm going to start coloring the doodles. And, you know, I just, it, it, I just can be anxious sometimes. That's not right. But I kind of have some nervous energy at times. But then there's actual, real, genuine worry. If you're a student here, I'm going to go on a limb and say, you've been worried about grades. Probably to the point of exasperation. Think of all the things you get worried about. We get worried about jobs. We get worried about money. We get worried about our pets. We get worried about our relationships. You get worried about your mom and dad. You get worried about your brother and sister. You get worried about your boss. You get worried about your house. You get worried about your car. You get worried about your clothes. You get worried about your hair. You get worried about your kids. You get a bit worried about whether you should have more kids. You get worried thinking about if you're going to survive having the kids that you currently have. <laughs> you get worried about vacation. You get worried about what other people think about you. 
You're worried about offending people. You're worried about not offending people. You're worried about how you say this. You're worried about a conversation that you need to have with the relationships that you love. You're worried about conversations that you need to have with people that you don't love. I mean, the list can go on and on. If you watch a commercial, if you watch five minutes of commercials, if you read the news for for five minutes, there's a new product that will kill you by the end of the year. Uh, Every week, if you eat that, you're going to die. Be worried. And maybe get this medicine to counteract, you know, blah, 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 blah. Everything that is in our culture right now is just, it's fed to you to perpetuate a life where you and I just worry about everything. And sometimes I hate to tell this to you, but I'm guilty of that. I'd like to tell you that I never worry. But I'll be honest with you, it isn't true. I've got to fight worry in my own life. As a pastor, there are things that are brought to me that I can worry about. There are church planning needs that, frankly, I hate to tell it to you, but I can be worried about. We've been working on getting a bigger screen because it's the size of a postage stamp behind me up here. As the road, we've been adding more chairs, and those chairs are filling up, which is a great problem to have. And we can't seem to figure out a situation to get a bigger screen. And it looks like we finally have it, but it's going to cost some money. (sighs) If you're not careful, Amy will tell you, you're going to lay in bed at night. Just look at the ceiling or I'll lose myself in something else so I don't have to think about the thing that's troubling me. Oh, the iPad is an amazing distraction, isn't it? Your phone, Facebook, Instagram. Oh, if I can just busy myself and not deal with what's really in my heart, which is worry. Here's what, Matthew, here's what Matthew writes in Matthew chapter 6. This is Jesus. I'm quoting Jesus talking to the masses about worry. He says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life, I want to say that one more time. Can any one of you, can we add a minute to our life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? 
Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Why? Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The greatest threat say this well the greatest threat to everyday trust in God is everyday worry about tomorrow and when people look at their life and say I want to trust God more the very thing that will undo that is your fear and worry about the next day and the next month and the next year and I want to call this what it actually is because there are things that we learn to just live with aren't there we just get comfortable with because, after all, it's just worry. It's not like I'm murdering anyone. But we need to call worry what it actually is. Worry is sin because you are not trusting God. What you're actually doing and what I am actually doing is I am trusting myself and I'm saying to myself and I'm actually saying to God, if you would just give me more control of this, I could create a better situation for the days ahead. I can do this a little bit better than you. And because you're not giving me the control that I want and that I desire, I'm a little bit anxious and I'm a little bit worried about it because I don't want to really put my life in your hands. I want to put my life in my hands. And it creates worry. And it keeps you up at night. So Jesus says, don't be anxious for tomorrow. Don't be worried. Seek God's best. Seek his kingdom. Pursue him. Take a deep breath. Pursue God's kingdom first, and you won't have to be worried about all of these things. When I was in high school, I'm going to sound like I'm bragging on myself for a second. I was good at math. If you don't know, when I went into college, my major was physics. Why? Why does anybody do that? Why does anybody choose to be a physics major? I don't know, but I was. And when I was in high school, my senior year, I was in the AP Advanced. It was a double advanced calculus class. Right? I don't encourage it. I wanted to, it sounds like I'm bragging on myself. I did all right. But I want you to know what I did. I was so stressed out. And I was so worried about tomorrow. And, and let me even just say this. Most of us have about 9,000 problems. And about 8,999 of them are made up in your mind. They're scenarios that haven't even happened. They're scenarios that aren't even going to happen. But you imagine them happening. And because you can imagine them happening, you're worried about it. And so here I am in calculus class, and you know what I did? This is an absolute fact. It is a true story verified by my mother. I was so stressed out that I pulled out every single one of my eyebrows. 
<laughs> it's true. If you've ever seen someone pull out 100% of their eyebrows, they don't look normal. Okay? I, Amy encouraged me to bring a photo. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do that to myself. I was too worried about what you would think about your pastor. It's true. I remember even taking an exam, a calculus exam, and looking down after I'd written the last essay out, and there literally was just a heap of eyebrows on my desk. I just had pulled them all out. There was none left. And I remember going home, and this was after, you know, weeks and, and months. My parents thought I had a disease. They're talking secretly in their bedroom. What's wrong with Andy? Like, we have to take him to a specialist because what's happening to his face? You know, his eyebrows are falling out. All because I was worried. I was worried sick. But what was I worried about? Honestly, what was I that worried about? People commit suicide because they're so worried. It happens. They're that knotted up. People do crazy things. People do ungodly things. People do foolish things. I mean, when you live with worry in your life, there are literally physical altercations that can take place to your body. It's not healthy to live a life worried, sick about tomorrow. And 99.99% of everything we worry about, it's not even ever going to happen. We just think it might. Pulled eyebrows out. Or you bite your fingernails. Or you play on the iPad. Or you go do your thing. And I, today's message is not about stress techniques. Although there is value in that. There's value in working out, getting a good sweat, going for a run when you're stressed and worried. But that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about what you need to do before a holy God who has commanded you, who has encouraged you, and who is inviting you to not live a life bound by worry. That when you imagine the dear future me, that you can be full of hope and faith that you are trusting God more and walking in more faith 10 years from now, five years from now, even one month from now than you were today. So what do we do about it? I'll say this one other thing. And I'm gonna, I've got an example I'm going to just show you. Because there's an inherent problem, church, when we believe and profess our faith in a God who has the capacity to save us from hell, to save you from eternal destruction. We have the faith for that, but yet we don't have faith in him to help us in our money problems. Oh, God can snatch me and transform me and make me new. Oh, he can do that, but he can't really actually fix my relationship issue. No, that, I need to carry that. That I need to be stressed out about. Whether I have a boyfriend, whether I get married, whether someone finds me attractive, whether I can have children, whether I'm a good dad, whether I'm a provider for my family, and the list goes on and on and on. 
If God can save you from hell, he can save you from your worries, and he can save you from the fear of tomorrow. Do you hear that today? I want to say this again. If God can save you from hell, he can save you from anything. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, you, I'm going to show you this right quick. Because, just one second. This is actually happening. Got my iron. I got my wrinkled shirt right here. And yes, that is a salmon pinkish colored shirt because true men are not worried about what people think. Let me just plug this in. Got it on max heat. Fun fact about me. Does it feel like I'm getting ready to do like one of those OxyClean commercials? Because I feel like I am about to do that. I should. I could be a millionaire. So, so I've got my wrinkled shirt. I've got my, my iron that's heating up. And the reality is this. Most of us try to live a life that would, that would keep us safe from anything that we have to actually worry about. That's what most of us do. The solution to, to having a problem with worry is to try to remove anything in your life that would actually cause you to worry. That's actually really problematic, though, because last time I checked, you can worry about anything and everything, and if you spend your life trying to free yourself from ever coming into contact with a situation that might cause you fear or worry, you're going to be running your whole life. The reality is this, whether it's a ton of wrinkles or whether it's just one or two, you're going to find yourself in situations that just, there's just things to worry about. I, I call them wrinkles, so to speak. And sometimes you've got a ton. Sometimes you have a little. Sometimes, you, you, you know, you pull that shirt down from where it's been on the closet and it just has wrinkles. Sometimes you pull it out of the dryer and it has wrinkles. You cannot run from wrinkles. They are coming for you. You cannot do it. And so what do you do? You got to learn to deal with these bad boys. True story, I actually love to iron. Do you know why? Because in my job, you don't always see progress the way you'd like to. But what I get to do when I iron is I can see the immediate fruit of my actions making this shirt perfectly pressed. It's therapeutic. Got my squirt bottle. I don't put water in the iron. No way. That's for rookies. No. I got my squirt bottle. I just squirt the shirt down. You know what I do is I isolate where that wrinkle is. Stretch that thing out. You think I'm laughing because here's what worry, here's what worry does for you. The benefit of anxiety and the benefit of worry is that it isolates perfectly where you are not trusting God. 
And when you find yourself anxious over money, guess what? Guess where you have a faith issue? And it is precise. And it is like a specialist pointing out something in your life. You have a faith issue, a worry issue in trusting God to provide for you. Oh, your worry issue is over a relationship. Well, guess what? You get to ice that that wrinkle can be isolated in such a way where you know exactly what it is when you imagine your life 10 years from now, you can say to yourself, I know where those wrinkles are and I can do something about them to become the person Jesus Christ died for me to become. That he has destined me to become. I do not have to live this life bound Wearing clothes like this, wrinkled, worried, a wreck. Oftentimes, many of us, when it comes to worry, we're good enough to get the iron hot. But then we don't have the courage to actually deal with the heart issues. And you know what happens when your iron gets hot and it just sits there long enough? What's it do? It does, it shuts off, doesn't it? And how many people do you know worried about life and what do they do? They just shut down. It's too much. They retreat. They hide. They run. Or the other opposite, the opposite action happens. This thing gets so hot, guess what else it does? Burns the place down. This is exactly what happens when you live a life of worry. You either shut down or you burn it down. And if you've ever been around someone who's stressed, and who is worried, and you get on the wrong side, it's like someone just nuked you. Boom! Why are you acting this way? Because they don't know what to do about the worry in their life. They don't know what to do about anxiety. They don't know what to do about that fear. So here's what God teaches us to do. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation. What kind of situation? Every single one of them. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the God of peace, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so it looks a lot like this. You get that iron hot and then you go to work. And you begin to just pray. And you begin to talk about those wrinkles. And you talk to those, to those things. And you talk to God about those wrinkles because he's the only one who can actually handle that issue that's in your life. And you bring it to him. And the Bible says to bring it to him like you would petitioning someone. And if you ever have children who have bothered you for a cookie or a bowl of cereal, it is the most incessant petitioning to the point of exasperation at times. I will give you anything for you to stop asking me this question. But sometimes that's how you need to treat God, and that is exactly what he teaches you to do as his heavenly father. Oh, you haven't gotten the, 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 the answer that you need yet then you need to go again. You need to take that squirt bottle and you need to go again. And you need to do it with thanksgiving in your heart and prayer in your heart. And you can say, God, thank you. God, it's hard for me to say this, but Lord, thank you. 
God, this relationship challenge with my spouse, it's got me worried, Lord, and I know I shouldn't be worried. And so right now, I'm choosing to put my faith in you, and I'm choosing to put my trust in you. And God, I'm doing what your scripture teaches me to do, and I'm even choosing to be thankful for this situation because through it, you are teaching me to be a better man and a better husband and a better father. God, thank you. Lord, thank you. I don't like the fact that I have money challenges right now and that I'm, I'm challenged by trusting you. But God, I am choosing not to just sit here and let life happen. I can recognize that I'm worried about this. And so, Lord, your word teaches me that your mercies are new every single day. And so, God, I'm confessing that scripture. I'm reminding myself that you have mercy for me. And I choose to be thankful for the life that you've given me, that you can make me stronger than the situations that you have put me in. God, thank you. God, I don't know how you've done this. It has transcended my understanding of how the world works. But suddenly, God, as I pray to you, and as I put my faith in you, and as I put my thanksgiving in you, I feel so much more at peace. I feel better about life. You know what I don't feel anymore? Worried. Hmm. It's amazing how that happens, isn't it? And all of those wrinkles just start to go away. Look at that beautiful shirt. I haven't even gotten to the sleeves yet. I'm not going to iron the whole thing, although I could teach you a few things about ironing a shirt. My point is this. Most of us live worried and we stay there. We stay stuck. We stay living in anxiety. We never get off the couch. We never shut the iPad down. We never turn the phone off. We don't shut the TV off. We just sit perpetually worried about our church situation, about our hurt, about our brokenness, about our pain, about our friendship situation, about our money situation, about our job situation, about our perception situation. And we stay there like cement blocks tied to our feet rather than doing what scripture teaches you to do. And that is not to just get so hot that you erupt or to get so cold that you run away, but that you would do what God has taught you to do. And that is to be thankful in every single situation, to choose as hard as it is to put your mouth to work and to say, God Almighty, I thank you. I thank you. God, I don't like this, but I choose to be thankful. Lord, I'm coming to you now as your son and as your daughter, and I'm asking for help because you are a God who helps his people. You are a God that cares for your people. You know the very amount of hairs on my head. How much more do you know the situation that I'm in? And if you can save me 
from destruction and you can save me from hell, then you can save me from where I am right now. And I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. I put my hope in you. That you might help me become more of the man and more of the woman that you've called me to be. Free from this anxiety and free from this worry. If you could tell yourself something 10 years from now, what would it be? I look a lot like trust God more and worry a lot less. And this is how you do it. Pray. You petition. You become thankful. You pray. You petition. You become thankful. You pray. You petition. And you become thankful. And you do it over and over. 